Well, good morning, church. It's good to see all of you this morning. So glad that you are here and a part of things today. I want to welcome again those that are with us online. We love that you are a part of things, as well as those who are here uh, for the first time. Maybe you're checking things out. We're grateful that you're a part of things this morning. I uh, just want to double down on a couple of things. First off, I'm, I'm repping the Zoe apparel here this morning. And so, so we got lots of options out there. Make sure you stop by, grab some of the stuff. I know there's a few things. There was like one of these left. So if you want to grab it, make sure you get it. Okay, but we'd love for you to be able to, to take part in that. I love wearing our Zoe stuff. I got a Zoe hat and I wear it to the gym every time I go to the gym. And it will occasionally spark up conversations with people because they ask questions. That's the reason why we do this. So I'm like, we're so cool. No, it's an opportunity for us to, to have conversations, spiritual conversations. People ask a question, what in the world does that mean? And let me tell you, not only you get to talk about faith, you get to talk about your community here at Zoe, all right? Uh, the other thing I just want to challenge you is Amber shared at our fall session uh, kicking off here in just a couple of weeks on October 4th. Every time we've done this, we've had so many of you that have engaged in these, and these have been really, really meaningful. So I challenge, I know Amber challenging the ladies. Men, I want to challenge you uh, to step out to be a part of these. For the, for the women and the men, we're going to be around tables. So there's going to be large group, small group. And so you'll have an opportunity to dig into relationship with some guys. And every one of us needs that in our life. And so hopefully you will sign up, get registered for that as soon as you can so we can prepare for you and for your kids and all that stuff going on. All right? Cool. Well, we are in week two of a series uh, that I kicked off last Sunday that we've just entitled Jesus in His Own Words. And I've said this, that everyone has opinions and perspectives about what Jesus is like. We've all got our opinions. We've all got our thoughts. But the problem is that too often those opinions are based more on our assumptions than on anything Jesus actually ever said. So for seven weeks, we're going to let Jesus speak for himself. He is going to define who he is. And last week, we began the series with the strongest claim that Jesus made about his own divinity. He said, I am, I am the king of all creation. And we said this, if you missed last Sunday, if Jesus is who he said he is, then number one, we can't ignore him. Like that's not an option, but we can trust him in all things, all right? And so we dug into that last week, but this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to start walking through. There are seven statements where Jesus says, I am, and then he defines, he gives an example of what he is like, who he is. And so we're going to walk through the book of John in these things. And so if you're newer, newer to faith, this is going to be a great series for you to kind of have this real clear understanding of who Christ is. But if you're a follower of Jesus, and I would say many of us, or if not most of us would say, yep, I'm a follower of Jesus. There's a question that you're going to have to ask throughout this series. And the question is this. Does the way I live my life reflect the reality of who Jesus is? Because he is who he is. We don't really get a say in that anyways. The question is, does the way we live our life actually reflect who he is? Are we responsive to who he is? All right? And so this morning's message is absolutely going to force this question upon us. And I'm going to say that the message this morning is going to meddle with us a little bit in our personal lives. So just be prepared for that. And I pray that God would have uh, encourage you to an open heart and an open mind to listen to him this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, beginning in verse number 28. And as you're turning there, would you stand with me across the room? Uh, this is our tradition around here. We stand as we read God's word. It's just our way of saying, God, we honor your words over my words. John chapter 6. <clears throat> beginning in verse number 28. Uh, in this uh, point in the scripture, Jesus is having this conversation with a group, okay? And so this crowd comes to him and they, it says this in verse 28, then they ask him, what, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, 
to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you do want to speak to us today. And so, God, we open our hearts and our ears to you. Put away all the distractions, all the things that are secondary right now to be able to hear from you. Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you reveal something of who you are to us today? We pray in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. You can be seated. Raise your hand if fall is your favorite season. It's your absolute, okay? Some of you are really excited about that, okay? I get that. I love fall. I love the temperatures. You love in the cool mornings, the warm afternoons. I love those kind of feeling. I love the clothes. You get the hoodies. You get the comfy clothes. I love the colors. I love the sports, right? Love the football. I love October baseball. There's nothing better than that. But fall also has its own special foods, doesn't it? There's certain foods that are like, this is just what I start eating when it turns into fall, okay? So I'm going to give you 10 seconds. I want you to turn to your neighbor. What's your, one of your favorite drinks or foods when it comes to fall? Turn to your neighbor. Tell them what it is. If you're with us online, you can post it in the comments below. Let us know what's your favorite food or drink during the fall. All right, all right, all right, all right. How many ladies out there? How many ladies? It's the pumpkin spice latte. That's their favorite thing when it comes to the fall. I know, boo, we're getting booze, my word. Anybody like sweet corn when it comes to like fresh sweet corn? Like that's, that's like a fall thing. You got to have that. And then there's all the apple stuff. You got like apple cider, right? You got, whoa, holy cow. We got the apple cider club here today. We got... Caramel apples, we like caramel apples, anybody like that? Oh, whoa. We got apple pies, anybody like the apple pies? Wow, so good. Wow, the youth is fired up today. Anybody like pumpkin bars? Anybody like the pumpkin bars? These things, they don't like the pumpkins. It's great. See, my, my favorite, oh gosh, my favorite uh, fall food is actually chili. Anybody like chili? Okay. Okay, like, right? Like, you, can, you can't eat it in the winter. Like, you're not allowed to eat this in the, or in the summer. Sorry, you, can eat it in the, you can't eat it in the summer. But then, like, Amber just made our first pot like a week or two ago, and I was just like, oh, it's just good for your soul, okay? I love, I love chili. But there's a food that can be eaten in any season. That's bread, okay? Any of you actually bread fans out there? Some of you like, okay, I like bread. This is a special loaf of bread, We've got somebody in our congregation, Savannah, one of our worship leaders. She's got a little company, Savannah Sourdough, if you don't know about it. Like this is, she makes this. You can, you can get this. You can buy this. Literally the greatest bread I've ever had in my life. Every time she, Amber buys some, I'm like down in this stuff. It's so, so good. And I know this. Even some of you, I know some of you are gluten-free. You don't even eat bread. And you still love bread, okay? Because every gluten-free person I see, when they see bread, they're like, oh, I just wish I could have some bread. And there's nothing fancy about bread. 
It's something that is so simple and yet that's so satisfying to us. And this is the first proclamation that Jesus makes about himself. He says, I am the bread of life. But to understand what Jesus is saying here, because he's saying a lot here when we get to this, uh, we've got to kind of understand the context of this entire chapter. The entire chapter 6 of John, there's a lot of stuff going on, and it's this preparation to this proclamation that he makes. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to walk through all of chapter 6, or the first section of chapter 6, and we're going to see three things. The first thing is that Jesus sets us up with with an illustration. He sets everybody up with this illustration, and then he gets to a warning where he warns the crowd about something. And then he gives an invitation to every one of us. And it's an invitation that is so stinking relevant for every one of us this morning. And my prayer is that we would hear Christ's invitation fresh and anew this morning, all right? And so we're going to walk through this this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, I would encourage you to keep it out here because we're going to be in all of chapter 6 throughout the morning here this morning. So the first thing is the setup. He gives us this setup, and it's this illustration that he paints for us to help us understand where he's going to go. And so you get to the beginning of chapter number 6, and it says that Jesus is kind of, he does a lot of teaching. He's interacting with these crowds, all this stuff. But he's kind of wanting to get away from the crowds for a moment. And so this happens at times where Jesus, it says that he and his disciples get in a boat and they go across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. They're trying to get away. You ever have those moments in life where you're just trying to hide? You know, some of you, you you like literally go hide in your room sometimes to yourself. You know, parents, you go in the pantry sometimes. Like, can I just get away from people for a moment, okay? And he's just trying to get away for a moment. But the crowds, as they always do, they came running after Jesus because they wanted to be by him. They wanted to see him. He had been doing so many amazing miracles and teachings. They wanted to come after him. And so this crowd comes and they find Jesus. And we get to verse number six here in chapter six, verse number five. And it says, when Jesus looked up and he saw the crowd coming to him, this massive crowd coming to him. And what you're going to realize is this is a huge crowd. He says to to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Which is kind of a crazy statement when you realize there are literally 5,000 men that are a part of this crowd. And then beyond that, we have kids and we have women that are a part of this crowd. This is a massive crowd. So he's asking what seems to be a relatively ridiculous question. And we get the response here where he, he asks this only to test him. What you see is that Jesus is about to do a miracle, but this whole miracle is intended to say something bigger than just the miracle itself. Right? He's trying to inform them. He's trying to give this illustration of something. He's trying to let them have a revelation of something that's far bigger than just food here. Okay? And so we have to see that as we get into this. And so we get to verse number 7, and Philip answers him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Forget filling all these people. Forget making them satisfied. It would take that much money just to get everybody a bite. Of bread. This is ridiculous, Jesus. There's not enough. There's no way that we could do this. Another one of the disciples, Andrew, he says this, here is a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. You've heard the story before, right? But what's that going to do with all these people? Like, we don't have enough, Jesus. Like, there's no way that this is going to satisfy everyone. And I love what Jesus says next. It says in verse number 10, have the people sit down. How many of you like Black Friday shopping? You know, Black Friday shopping, okay. Some of you like doing that, okay. If you've ever seen, you ever seen the videos on like a Black Friday when like Best Buy has like that amazing thing and there's lines and people like start getting into a fist fight trying to fight over stuff? 
Like, it gets ridiculous sometimes. I'm not like a big Black Friday, but I've been at places on a Black Friday, and there's hands grabbing things, and you're just like, back out a little bit, you know? Like, I'm going to get hurt here being in this situation. Because when there isn't enough, everybody starts getting ra- grabby. Everybody starts fighting for their own, right? Nobody's set down, relaxing, calm. No, no, everybody's fighting for something. And in this moment, they're saying, there's clearly not a food. We got five loaves and two fish. We don't got enough. And what does Jesus say? Everybody sit down. Calm down. I've got this. I think some of us need to hear that this morning. Calm down. I've got this. And he begins to break the bread. He begins to multiply And it says that he feeds everyone in the crowd, not just giving them a bite until they are satisfied, right? There is more than a... And see, at the end of this thing, he has more at the end than at the beginning because at the end of the miracle, what does he say? Gather all the extra, and what do they grab? 12 baskets full of food. There is more than enough. You're concerned that God doesn't have enough. No, no, listen, there is more than enough for you. You can be satisfied in him. Just sit down. So God does this amazing miracle. Jesus performs the thing, and everybody is just jacked up. They're so excited. Their their stomachs are full, and they're like, we got to make this guy king, right? Meals for everybody. Like, we got to make this guy the king. And they try to do that. And Jesus, he recognizing what was in their hearts, he steps away, he walks away. He takes his disciples, and they go get away, okay? And so he goes, and they cross over to the other side of the lake. And and the next day, it says that the crowd, realizing that Jesus is gone, they are going back after him. And they go back after him and they confront him. And so after this setup, we get to the next section where the, Jesus brings a warning to the crowd, okay? And so look what Jesus says in verse number 26. He responds to the crowd because they're coming after him, right? And what does he say? He says, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed. See, he didn't just perform a miracle that just did a thing. No, this was a sign of his majesty, his authority, his power, his abundance. He's like, this was revelation of who I am. But you're not responding to who I am. You're not coming after me because you realize I'm the king of all creation, that I have all power in my hands, right? You're not running after that. No, no, no. What does he say? Because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You're just coming after me because you want another meal. You're not interested in me. You're not interested in who I am, what I really can supply. You just want to get your stomach filled again. You just look at what you can get out of me. And this is where he brings the warning in in verse number 27. He says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. That word life is what? Zoe, right? Which the Son of Man will give you. See, Jesus gives them actually two warnings in this little statement here. First one is this. Jesus warns the crowd of approaching him with the wrong motive, right? You're coming at me for the wrong reason. You don't even, you don't have the real reason in mind. No, you've got yourself and your flesh in your mind. That's why you're coming to me. But the second warning he gives them, he warns them of running after things that will spoil and that will ultimately destroy and kill them. And I think these two warnings that he gives these people in this story, I think we can phrase it for ourselves today, and they are very, very applicable to our lives. So I want to give us two, two uh, questions here this morning that I think God can challenge us with. The first question is this, why do we come to Jesus? 
Why do you come to Jesus? Do you have the wrong motive for coming to Jesus? Do we only come to Jesus when we've exhausted all of our other options? <laughs> you ever that moment? Right, you have something happen in your life, and why do you come to Jesus? Well, I only come to Jesus because first I went to myself, and I tried to figure it out, and I couldn't figure it out. And then I went to my friends, and I, they couldn't figure it out. And then I went to my family, and they couldn't figure it out. And then I went to, I tried every other solution. Now I'm out of options. Okay, Jesus, I'll come to you now, right? You're the last option that I got, right? We will never say that, but functionally, that's how we live. Is that why we come to Jesus? For other times, do we just come to Jesus because we want him to meet our needs? Jesus, come do the thing for me. I'm not really concerned with you. I just want you to meet my needs, fill my needs, answer my questions, solve my problems. Sometimes we, we just come to Jesus because we want him to bless our thing. You know what I'm saying? We're not coming to Jesus saying, here's my thing, I submit it to you. No, we come to Jesus and say, here's what I got going. Will you fix my thing? Will you make my thing better? Whatever it is, whether it's a business, whether it's family, whatever it is, just, just, I, I just want you to do something here, Jesus. Are we adding Jesus to our life? Do we come to him looking to make an addition to our lives rather than surrendering to him, you know? Because Jesus didn't ask you to add him to your life, to, to be the trophy on your shelf that you get to just kind of hang out with every once in a while and see, like, I got that over there. Whenever I need it, I can just go over there and, and get my Jesus off the shelf and then everything will be okay. Why do we come to Jesus? It's a genuine question that we gotta ask ourselves. What's our motivation? Is our motivation in the right place? God, would you speak to us about that? But there's a second question, and it's this. What are we filling ourselves with? What are we filling ourselves with? Because just like this crowd, they wanted to fill their stomachs. That was what they were concerned about. But here's the question that I want to have, because my guess is for most of you, you're not really concerned about your stomach filled. But more than that, every single one of us has a soul that is hungering deeply for something to satisfy it. Every single one of us, whether you acknowledge it or not, you desperately need your soul to be satisfied. What do I mean? We crave our soul. We crave identity. We crave identity. Like, I need to know who am I? We crave this. We crave purpose, right? Why am I here? What am I doing that matters? God, what is the purpose of my life? You ever had somebody ask that question? People ask that regularly, okay? We ask the question, what is my value? Like, what is my value? I'm seeking value. I need value. I need to know that I matter, that what I do matters. Like, every one of us is craving that. We crave wholeness, like this sense of being complete, the sense of like, I'm, I'm not less than, I have everything that I need. Every single one of us craves peace in our life. Like we live in a dark world, amen? Like it's just hard sometimes. And every one of us craves a sense of, right? And every single one of us is craving joy in our life. We crave it. We want it. Our souls yearn for a sense of joy. This, this contentment in our hearts. Every single one of us wants it. But rather than turning to Jesus to find these things, rather than saying you're the source, you're the one that can satisfy every single one of these things, most of us, if we're honest, try to find this somewhere else. So we start, we go after achievements and successes and careers in some place and say, uh, you know, especially us men, we're like, how can, we, how can I achieve more? How can I accomplish more? How can I do more? Because that will fill my soul up in some way. 
Some of us, it comes down to some possessions or stuff. Like we try to fill our lives and medicate our souls in some way. Just let's, let's just buy more stuff. That thing will fill me up in some way. For some of us, it's relationships, you know? Like you're going, you're like right now you're single. All the single ladies out there, you're like, oh, if I just found that man, it would just satisfy, I would just, I would have identity, I'd have purpose. It would just be so amazing, Right? And then you find that you marry that man or you marry that woman and now you're married and you're like, oh, that they're gonna be the one. They will, they will give me my identity. They will give me this purpose, this value. I'll, I'll find all this completeness in this. You have kids, you're like, I try to find it in, in all those kind of things. You know, and then, and then you're like, well, maybe, maybe I need more things about, I gotta find another activity or some leisure thing in my life that will fill me up and it will just make me feel full and whole inside. Every single one of us is trying to do that, but none of these things were intended to satisfy our soul. And Jesus would say this, they actually spoil, they rot, they decay, they actually cause issues. Are they bad? No, they're all oftentimes in the right context, can be very, very good things, but they still weren't meant to satisfy your soul. And they never will. They never will. And that's why when we achieve or we attain the thing, and some of you can vouch for it, you've attained the thing that you always wanted and you're still hungry you still don't feel satisfied. And so we go for another. It's like eating cotton candy. It tastes good for a moment, but it just doesn't satisfy. And since we don't feel satisfied, we tend to try and medicate ourselves. We try to make ourselves feel better some way. How can I make myself feel better? Maybe we medicate by going after more of the thing we've already got, right? We go after it like, okay, well, maybe if I get to the next level or I do the next thing or whatever, that thing will make me feel better. And we're constantly trying to medicate this reality that I know my soul doesn't feel full. I know I feel dry inside. How can I overcome that? How can I make myself feel better? But some of us, we turn to things that become toxic in our lives. You know, some of us, it, it does turn into things like drug or alcohol. And some of you are like, oh, that would never be me. But I guarantee you in this room, there are some of you at night, the, the lack and the empty in your hearts you pull out the wine bottle and you don't just have a little glass. You have several glasses to try and medicate the way you really feel because you don't want to think about it. There are some of you, you go back to that refrigerator about seven times a night. Why? Because you just want something to make you feel better for a moment, right? There's some of us that, that we go after, there's sexual addiction, like, right? You go to look at that thing you know you shouldn't be looking at. Why? Because you're just trying to medicate for a moment because you feel so unsatisfied and so you keep running for that thing that's got a hold of you. Every single one of us has things that we struggle with. For some of you guys, I'm gonna meddle for a second. It's sports. I love sports. But sometimes we, we are so dissatisfied with our lives that we live vicariously through sports teams. And we spend all of our time, and all we do is we're watching, we're reading, we're looking, we're spending, investing all of our time in the thing. Why? Because ultimately our souls are empty and we're craving something to make us feel better for a moment. How can you distract me from what I really feel inside? And you may never admit it, but it's the reality that you're facing on a daily basis. For some of us, it isn't sports, it's shopping. You're like, well, I don't go to the mall. Nobody goes to the mall anymore, Okay. You don't got to go to the mall to buy stuff, right? It's the endlessly scrolling on your phone, just looking for another thing. Can I just find another thing? It would just make me feel better. Oh, I just need this. I need that. I need this. I need that. I'm going to go on Amazon. How many more things can show up at the house? Some of you, like if you were honest, like that door is full a lot of times because there's stuff sitting on your doorstep because you're constantly buying stuff, right? And sometimes we need the stuff, but a lot of times we're doing it to try and medicate it. Just make for a moment, we just get a hit. It makes us feel better for a moment, Okay. 
It's not just the shopping. For some of us, it's entertainment. We go to entertainment. You know, why do you binge watch an entire series in a week? Sometimes it's that good. Sometimes you're looking for a distraction from your life. You're dissatisfied in this thing. I could just, I'll just go to that, just do another, just one more, just one more episode. It takes you away from all the stuff that you're frustrated in in life. And some of you are like, well, I don't do that with entertainment, Greg. I wouldn't do that in entertainment. But you sit and watch Fox News all day long, right? Whatever it is, you're just like, all you do is watching the stuff. I'm stepping on a couple toes right now. Like you just constantly watch, watch, what? Why? Because you're just, you're distraction. I, I don't, I don't want to think about my life. I just want to try and focus on something else. It gets my attention off of myself for a moment. And then we have social media, which is one of the most toxic things, YouTube. It's literally designed to steal your attention. It's designed to make you go after it a little bit more. We go after these things. Why? Because we want the distraction. We need the validation. We're desiring comfort. We want to forget that our souls are dry, that our souls are empty, that we're living in a world that is leaving us totally starving. We want to forget that for a moment. Rather than filling ourselves, we want to forget it for a little bit. And it's worse than that, though, okay? Because most of us have unknowingly become dopamine addicts. If you don't know that, open your eyes for a second. We, most of us, I would say, are, do- you know what dopamine is? It's a chemical that gets released. It actually gets released in two ways. Number one, it's the, it's the thing that helps you do the thing that's pleasurable, okay? So when, when you desire it, you've got some dopamine kicking in, which is going to make you want to go do a thing, whatever that thing is, okay? And then once you do that thing, you get another shot of dopamine again, which makes you feel good, and you want to do more of that thing. And it's constantly, so the, here's the problem, is it? We are so fulfilled and we have everything in our society is built around giving us a little shot of dopamine to make us feel better, okay? So on social media, guess what? Every time somebody likes that picture you post, get a little shot of dopamine. You don't even know it, but you wanna go back to get another hit later on, okay? Every time you watch that episode, you know, that thing on on Netflix, you know, it fills something in you. Guess what? When at the end of the show, it says, you know, the next episode pops up. You know, what, what is it? It's giving you another, well, I'm gonna hit it again. Oh, yeah, another thing, another thing. It's the shot of dopamine. You're constantly getting that. Every time you do a pleasurable activity, you're getting another shot of that thing. So whatever it is, whatever you go to, you go to sports like, oh, it gives me a little shot. It makes me feel good for a second. But here's the problem. When you, when you don't have that thing, you swing the other direction and you're reminded of that you're still empty, <laughs> that you still don't have what you need, okay? And so what do we do? We turn back to the thing that we were just going after to try and get another hit again. And most of us are in this toxic place where we're constantly running after stuff that, as Jesus says, it's spoiling us, it's rotting us, it's killing us, it's killing our mind, it's killing our desires, it's leaving us totally hungry and dry and dissatisfied, and yet we keep running for that. And so... Jesus is giving us a different calling. He's saying, don't allow yourself to be addicted to the things that are robbing you of genuine life. I want to give you Zoe life. And so instead, Jesus closes this section by giving us an invitation. And if you want to look at the the passage with me in verse number 35, we just read it together a moment ago. It says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Saying, I'm the thing that satisfies. I'm actually what you need. And there's not just enough for your need. There is 
more than enough for what you need. You might be running after the wrong things. It's leaving you dissatisfied, but I've got something better for you. And there's two words that we see in this passage, and I just want us to close looking at these two words. The first word is believe. The second word is come. Look what it says. It says, believe. It says, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, believing in Jesus, look at me, believing in Jesus is the foundation of our faith. And I know a lot of you are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died. Yeah, yeah, it's great. But this is truly the foundation of our faith, okay? Look at what it says, just a few verses before this in verse number 29. They're asking, what must we do to do the work God requires? That's a good question to ask, right? They literally ask Jesus, what is it we should do so that we can do what God requires of us? And Jesus answers with one thing. What does he say? This or the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe Jesus. You're like, I believe that he died and rose again. That's great. It's more than that. That is a starting place, absolutely. But believing Jesus is a complete thing. It is saying in every area, in every circumstance, I choose to believe Jesus, not myself. I choose to believe what he says, not what I think. I choose to trust in him, even when it messes with me a little bit, right? So when somebody hurts me and offends me, I don't react and respond the way I want to. No, I choose to believe that Christ said, leave vengeance to me. I'll deal with that. I say, okay, I choose to believe Christ in this. I choose to extend forgiveness that they don't deserve because that's what Jesus asked me to do, right? And I could go on and on and on. Listen, the deficiencies that we have in our faith all come back to this. Too often, we just don't believe Jesus. We believe ourselves, we believe our feelings, we believe what other people tell us. And he's saying, listen, this is your, you wanna know what your food is? It's belief. Believe me, come to me, trust in me. I will give you eternal life for eternity, but I can do it today as well. And that's why the second word that I love is come. It says this, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Some of you are like, well, I came to Jesus years ago. You're right. But what about today? See, the invitation that Jesus gives us is to daily come to him as the bread of life. To daily pursue him as the bread of life. There's a story that Jesus references just before this when he's talking about the man in heaven. Some of you are familiar with the story in the Old Testament. It says the people of God, are, they're roaming through the desert. They don't got no food, right? They're walking around. They've got no food. And what does God do? On a daily basis, God provides manna in the wilderness for them. And it's this bread every single day. When they wake up in the morning, it's available for them. And so they go and they get the manna and they have what they need for the day. And there was this very interesting idea that if they took more than they needed for the day, the next day, the stuff they had taken before that extra ended up rotting. And he wanted to build this dependence on himself, saying, listen, people of God, would you actually trust me? Would you believe me on a daily basis? Would you come to me and receive what? I have more than enough. I have exactly what you need for today. But would you actually look to me for it rather than looking everywhere else for it? He's building this mindset for us. And the same thing is true for us. Remember when Jesus taught people to pray? What did he say? Pray, give us this day our daily bread. That's not just a physical prayer. That's a spiritual prayer. It's an emotional prayer to say, God, would you give me what I need today? I'm looking to you 
to be my source. I'm not looking to all the stuff. I'm not looking to all the other people, to the other accolades. I'm gonna look to you to be my source. I'm gonna receive what I need from you. You give me eternal life. You heal me, you restore me, but you also provide everything that I need. I don't need to look to the others. God, I look to you in all things. Would you be my source in my life? All right. Not medicating ourselves with the garbage that spoils us, but instead looking to him to be the one who satisfies and so I want to get to our, our big so what here this morning. Okay, we always say, so what? What's the point of this thing? If you forget everything else that I've shared this morning, it's a very simple statement. It's this. Choose the right diet. Choose the right diet. Let's be honest. Some of us got some bad diets when it comes to food, right? <laughs> like some of you, if you were honest about what you eat, you, you're like, you try to hide from the doctor when they ask you, like, how many vegetables do you have a day? You're like, oh, at least seven, right? You know, no, I don't. <laughs> okay. We're not proud of our diets, but I would say when it comes to our spiritual diets, for many of us, it's probably even worse. Because rather than filling ourselves with the things that satisfy, rather than filling ourselves with the word of God, rather than filling ourselves on who he says we are, finding our identity and our purpose, right? Finding our value, finding our wholeness and our peace and our joy, rather than finding those things in Christ, we're running after the other things that are spoiling us, unknowingly, giving us, you know, wrong thoughts, leading us the wrong direction, leading us to, to very places of despair and depression. I know there's some of us here that struggle with that. You're, you're in a place right now, you feel just completely overwhelmed. And so often it's because we've been feeding ourselves the wrong thing. We're, we're looking at the news that only has anything bad to say. And we wonder why we're depressed and struggling with the world and think the whole world is falling apart because that's all we're feeding. We're not feeding any hope in a God who is still the foundation of the world, the one that we can still trust in no matter what happens in this world. We don't feed ourselves that. We're feeding on the garbage and it's killing us. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Uh, I try to be honest and, and vulnerable with you and I'm just gonna be honest. This past week, I had a moment where I had some revelation in my life about this. Some things happened last weekend and uh, it left me in a place where I was, I feel like I was probably looking at the wrong thing and finding some identity, value, some of those things in the wrong place. And uh, Monday morning, I had a time of prayer with Jesus and just felt him challenging me. And I had to lay some things down. I had to surrender some things myself. And I got to a meeting later in the day with our lead team and it turned into group therapy. I started crying as I was just being honest about some stuff that's broken in me. Things that I knew the truth in. And yeah, how many know sometimes we know things and we still end up going the wrong way in the way we act. And that's where I was at. And I had to come back to a place of saying, God, you're, you're my source. You are the bread of life that sustains can't go trying to feed on other things because what does that do? It rots me. It destroys me. And I just guarantee you in a room like this that there, there are people in this room right now that you are in a place in life where you're struggling, where there, there is discouragement in your heart. But if you're honest, it's because you've been eating the wrong stuff. You're not filled with the things that are building your faith. You're filled with the things that are killing you from the inside out. And so Jesus just is saying, listen, would you, would you come to me? I'm, I am the bread of life. If you want Zoe life, come to me. There is more than enough. 
I have everything that you need. But you've got to look in the right place. You've got to turn to me. I'm here to satisfy, to bring spiritual healing to your heart. But that's not just a once and done kind of thing. It's a daily saying, Christ, can I come to you as the source of all things in my life? Would I lean to you? Would I go to your word? Would I spend time in worship? Would I, would I turn off the stuff that's, that's constantly distracting me, that takes all of my free moments, that there's no space in my mind to actually hear from you because I'm constantly being just overwhelmed with everything else in this world? God, could I just have that kind of a life that says, Lord, I want to receive from you? What I love in scripture is there's nothing is haphazard in scripture. So how many know, uh, what's the town that Jesus was born in? How many know? How many know? Bethlehem. You know what Bethlehem means? House of bread. The God of all creation came to be everything that we need, to satisfy every need that we have in our soul. But we have to be those who turn to him and say, Christ, I turn to you. I come to you. I believe you. And I choose to trust you. Would you bow your head across the room? So we have an opportunity to respond. Father, I thank you so much that you invite us into something better. God, you want us to be satisfied. You don't want us striving and running after God. You want us to sit down and to receive from you the sustaining life that you have for us. But God, we acknowledge that so often we're running, running the other way, God, doing our own thing filling ourselves up with the stuff that's just eating us alive. How would you forgive us of that? You are the bread of life. You are the source of life. We turn to you, Jesus. With every head bow and every eye closed, this morning, I want to give some of you an opportunity. There's some of you here this morning, maybe you're, you've been exploring faith, you've been uh, checking faith out, but you're in a place where you're like, you know what? I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never given my life to Jesus. Right now, you're in a place where you're like, you know what? I need to come to the bread of life. I've, I've, been, I've been running after all the stuff. I've been trying to find my, my soul getting filled in all the other stuff, and I'm dry, and I need, I need the life that only comes from Christ. If that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to surrender your life to Christ and to receive the gift of salvation, to begin a new journey filled with His life. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, if that's you, as an act of faith, I just want you to say, Would you, that's me. Would you lift a hand across the room and say, that's me. I need to respond to Jesus this morning. I need to surrender my life. I need to receive the bread of life this morning for the very first time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna give you just a moment. If you're with us online, I would encourage you to respond in your heart. Anybody else need to respond this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. If that's you this morning, I would just encourage you to pray in your heart as I pray right now. Just pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me, for caring for me. God, I pray that you would um, just receive me right now, God. I come to you and acknowledge that you are king. I acknowledge that you are Lord, that you died and you rose again. And uh, Lord, I'm asking that you would uh, heal me. God, that, that you would cleanse me. I admit that I'm a sinner and that I need saving. And so God, I submit my life to you. And I surrender my life to you completely, Jesus. Have your way in me, Lord Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus. and eyes still closed. I want to talk to those who consider yourself believers right now, okay? And this is just going to be a moment of honesty, all right? 
if every hand or no hand goes up, it's okay. But if you're here this morning and you're gonna, you wanna be honest and say, I've been eating the wrong stuff. I've been filling my stomach up with the wrong stuff lately. I've been a little distracted. If that's you, just as an act of surrender, with every eye closed, every head bowed, would you just lift a hand and say, Jesus, I need to lay some stuff down this morning. I've been, I've been, I've been feeding on the wrong stuff. My soul feels a little dry right now. Yeah, yeah, put your hands down. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray over every single one of us. God, help us to have revelation of what those things are right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm gonna take an a moment here. You can look up at me for a moment. Here's what I want you to do. When you walked in the door this morning, you received a card. Okay, I want you to take that card out. All right? It's just a blank card. Okay? Uh, if you, and I want you to grab a pen or a pencil. There, if you got a pen, great. There's pencils in the seat back in front of you. I want you to grab a pencil. And I want you to put up the challenge real quick. I'm going to give you just a moment here. And I want you to pray right now a prayer on your own. I want you to say, Jesus, what do I need to subtract? And then what do I need to add? On one side, I want you to write, these are the things I need, I need to subtract or maybe I need to limit some of these things. I've been feeding on this too much. I need to limit, write that down. And then flip it over and say, what do I need to add? Maybe it means I need to get in the word more regularly. I need to spend time in worship, right? I need to get my butt into church more often. Whatever the thing is, I want you to write those down. I'm gonna give you about a minute and I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Trust in you. We would believe in you in every way, Lord. 